Welcome to The Safe Word, the best words of advice in security and safety for today's world. Brought to you by Stella Digital, your go-to partner for cybersecurity. In this episode, we meet Chris, the CIO for her firm, who is faced with migrating her company to a remote work situation. Let's join Chris now. Hi, Chris. You seem a little frustrated. Hello. Yes, I really am. Who are you? I'm here with the safe word, bringing you the best words of advice in security and safety for today's world. Fantastic. I think I could really use some of that guidance and advice. Well, I'll be glad to help. What seems to be the issue? Actually, there's multiple issues right now. So as you know, with the pandemic, uh, most people are already working from home. We are doing a company-wide migration to permanent uh, employee remote work. And that's obviously a huge change in the way that we're doing business. Um, I understand why we need to do it. Um, the time frame in which I'm asked to do this seems absolutely impossible. So you're tasked with handling the migration to remote work. That's right. People all across the company are banging on my door, ringing my phone off the hook, getting about 10 texts per minute, I think some days. Um, <laughs> and everybody just needs their employees to be fully set up and configured working from home. My team and I are, are, are maxed out already with our regular day-to-day -day workload. And we have been for some time. There just aren't enough hours in the day, enough laptops or enough staff uh, to configure everything. It's really driving me nuts. Yeah, I understand. And that's not even touching on any of the risks of rushing into this new company configuration, how it might change your data flow, where data might be stored, who has access to it, not to mention your remote connectivity situation, how remote users authenticate, from which devices they can connect, which resources people can access once they're connected, and so on. I mean, it's a long list of things. And from the security perspective, these things and other topics should be considered also. You're so right, of course. This is so overwhelming. I think I need a hand, Mr. Safeword. Okay, sure, no problem. Let's take a minute, step out of the scene and we'll talk over the issues. Whew, thank you, that'd be great. Okay, no problem. So let's lay out the challenges. Number one, you've had a list of new demands placed on you, but you still have the same staff and budget you had before, which was already maxed out. And naturally, everybody that's contacting you says their needs are priority one. You got it. I, it feels like you've dealt with this type of situation before. And even though I'd <laughs> like to meet every you know, request uh, and need right now, it's really not possible for me to solve this for everyone right now. Yeah, I, I totally have been there and uh, got the t-shirt as they say. So it's very <laughs> understandable. <laughs> um, if, uh, if you look at it from their perspective, just kind of put yourself in their shoes for a minute, they may not realize the amount of demand and workload that you're facing and um, the other requests that are coming to you. They're just focused on their own probably. And not to mention the, the risks involved with moving the company workforce outside the company and what that does to your security perimeter. So their focus is probably just their own area, their own problems and pressures, uh, but I have an idea that I think will work for you. And then 
kind of rushing into things, rushing any job, especially as one, one as important as establishing external connections into your network opens the door for things to fall through the cracks and corners to be cut maybe in the name of speed. So we can talk through some of the risks that you and your company may be facing or even increasing by rushing into something like this and some ways to address them. And then <clears throat> there's remote access into your network. So is it safe to assume you have a VPN solution in place? Absolutely. We've had VPN from day one because we do allow some of our employees before the pandemic to work from home. So we're actually pretty good on the VPN side. Okay. That, well, that means you're a step ahead. That's great. So uh, some things to consider as these remote workers are ex extending your security perimeter, maybe limiting the remote workers access uh, to only the things that they absolutely need. You know, it's um, the least that you can give them to limit the risk, limit the exposure. And then allowing access from only devices that you know and have approved or vetted ahead of time, make sure that uh, you know what's connecting in and they're up to a certain level. And then last but not least, I would say requiring two-factor authentication would be a, a good thing to include. Yep, definitely. We do have the capability for two-factor authentication, but we've never turned it on because there were so many complaints and pushbacks from most of our departments. I see. Well, yeah, that's uh, it's always the thing. It's, it's tough to maintain a balance between security and convenience. So um, in this case, with this situation, the risk of compromise is higher than it was before. So you're adding to the number of VPN users you have. You're adding new people who have not used remote access before. So they may not be as familiar with how to do it in a, in a safe way. You've got completely unknown situations and networks on the other end of the connection. People's home networks, who knows what's connected there. It's a whole ball of wax. And then last but not least, the whole expanding it in a rushed way. So um, at this point with these additional risks, is the time you want to strengthen and solidify your security as the risks are increasing. You make really good points. I agree with everything you're saying. Well, just trying to help, ma'am. Uh, that's the, the benefit of the safe word. And we can take a minute, talk things over together and find a good path forward. So um, given the large amount of risk being introduced by, uh, by this explosive growth in remote work, the need for security protections like two-factor authentication is even greater. And especially when you consider how minimal the impact is on the end user. So I can help you make the case for turning two-factor authentication on and also talk through some ways to help explain the ease of use that may help the adoption as well. Oh, that would be so amazing because my goodness, I, I agree with you. It really needs to be turned on and um, if you can help me make that happen, amazing. Well, sometimes it's about having the right conversation with the right person um, and giving them the context. Mm. So as I mentioned earlier about people um, pushing their demands on you without maybe realizing all the other demands that you're facing, same thing is true here. They're maybe thinking about only the impact to the end user. Oh, I have to take an extra step before I have to connect to get my token that's a pain in the neck. I don't want to do it and just throw up a wall. But um, if they understand the risks 
then that small little extra step in terms of the trade-off you get for it and minimizing the risk may be something they could buy in for, buy into. Um, so let's jump back and make sure we cover the first point there, that, um, which is the high demand with everyone wanting results right now. So um, here's my suggestion. So one thing that oftentimes falls to IT and or security is business continuity planning. So done properly, this really is everyone's responsibility, not just IT, but that's, that's a topic we can talk about some other time. Um, in this case, you do have a business continuity plan in place, right? Yes, we test it every year as well. Ah, well, fantastic. So um, as part of creating that, you probably must have gone through the process of prioritizing which of your business functions for recovery purposes, um, which to focus on bringing up first based on their criticality to the company. Yep, we did. It was a huge effort. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure it's not easy to do that, but proper business continuity planning is, that's a part of it. So with that work already done, you could just treat your current situation like any other disruption to your normal operations. So the business leaders have already agreed to that priority that you work through, or if they didn't, the disagreement was probably resolved by the CEO or something like that. So the question of who comes first, it's already resolved. I didn't think of it that way. That's a great idea. Well, it's one of the benefits of looking at things from the outside. Um, it can be difficult sometimes from an internal perspective, especially when you're dealing with people you work with on a day-to-day -day basis, uh, to be able to step back and make the tough call, you know, for the best interests of the company. Um, and an outs outside expert uh, can be helpful in providing that perspective and support. Oh, there's definitely times when I can use a strong ally by my side. Well, I'm happy to be there for you, ma'am. Um, so by using that uh, priority already established in your business continuity plan, you can schedule the deployment of remote workers accordingly. And the various you know, business leaders or other department heads, they should be willing to accept that priority since they've already agreed to it. And uh, secondarily, by setting a schedule and planning out the deployments, that should spread out the demand and avoid happening, avoid having it happen all at once. So it eases the burden on your staff as well as gives you time for your suppliers to deliver the extra hardware that you need to set people up remotely. So hardware limitation may be another thing that these various department heads might not have considered when they are all calling you up at the same time. Um, and then another side, benefit of that is it lessens some of the risks that comes with rushing into something or rushing through a deployment, which was your you know, second point earlier. You're so right. You know, it, it's interesting as you're talking, I'm, I'm seeing really exactly what you're saying. I was so focused on delivering on operational needs. I hadn't considered all those risks. It's too bad my company doesn't have a CISO to present the security and privacy perspective like you're doing to me now. I mean, I have so many hats already that I'm wearing, which I love it. I love what I do and I'm, I'm eager to serve. It's just that it's a little hard to be the security person also in addition. Yeah, that's very understandable. Um, it's difficult. It's a lot to carry, a lot of load to carry. And, and on top of that, so much in today's world relies on technology. And as you know, that changes every day. You're right. It's hard to keep up sometimes, even just in the IT arena. 
Yeah, that's true. And it's exactly the same in the security and the privacy worlds. Bad guys, they're always coming up with new ways to do things. And uh, we all have to do the best we can just to stay up to date, you know, remain as aware as possible and minimize risk as much as possible. Um, and if you were to have a specialized security executive, chief information security officer, whatever they're called for your company, uh, would give you that expertise in that area at the executive level to, to guide decisions, to provide input at the right time. And um, it can be really helpful. You know, Mr. Safeward, I'm noticing that your advice is not just limited to the nuts and bolts and tackling of cybersecurity. It, I'm seeing that you're really approaching things with a holistic uh, perspective and taking into account the restraints and limitations and, and constraints that every company faces um, and considering, you know, the people, the process uh, and the outcome. Uh, and this, this feels a bit applicable to life too, right? <laughs> yeah, it's very true. Um, sometimes the role of the security executive or the CISO is, is more than just providing the voice of security. It's, it's really partnering with other leaders in the company to find the best overall solution for the situation for the company. Um, I'm sure you've done the same as a CIO. As best I can. Yeah, <laughs> it is tough sometimes. So, um, are you ready to continue with the scene? I'm ready. Let's go. Okay. So let's begin with your list of requests to set up remote workers and arrange them according to the business continuity priority. Got it right here. Okay. And you've pulled as many staff as you can afford to from their regular duties, uh, regular jobs to support the company. Yes, we have. The only way to do it was to stop some of the work that they were already doing, which means some of our key projects company-wide will be delayed. But I got agreement from those project sponsors because we're all in alignment that employee health and company health comes first. Very good point. And that's very well done, actually, uh, to get those buy-in from those folks uh, ahead of time. And then um, we can factor in the equipment availability from your suppliers. Okay. And um, I think we're all set to begin scheduling. All right, Chris, great job. I think your immediate fires are out and you've got an excellent plan now for handling these surprise extra demands on your IT organization. I can't tell you how much I appreciate your guidance. I really couldn't have done it without you. Well, I'm happy to help. Call on me if you need me again. And remember, be safe out there. Thanks, Mr. Safeward. You really saved the day. As Chris discovered, her company's migration to a remote work configuration was more involved and risky than she or her company realized. By using the safe word, she was able to plan for the migration while addressing demands from other leaders in the company and reducing some of the risks involved. Join us again next time for The Safe Word, the best words of advice in security and safety for today's world. Brought to you by Stella Digital, your go-to partner for cybersecurity.